One, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. Ice, ice, icicle. Bike, bike, bicycle. Test, test. Ice, ice, baby. <laughs> one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Now stop. While I do up my laces, this kind of thing happens every show. I really need to learn how to tie a bow. Oh. Wicked, 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 what? <laughs> no, okay, we're done. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's the Wouldn't It Be Nice podcast, where we're not experts, but we certainly would like to be. We're going to discuss the Wouldn't It Be Nices of self-employed woodworking, and all of a sudden, it's episode three. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Travis Granberg. I'm Dylan Fawcett. As self-taught tradesmen, we're going to dive in week to week. Uh, we're going to learn from our past, our mistakes, our successes. We're going to share our stories with you. Uh, we're going to let the conversation lead its own path. And we really want to hear your stories as well. Pretty soon, we're going to have Drew Hall from Fer- Fernwood Farms Woodworking. We're going to have Tyler from Chisel.shop on as well. Uh, we anticipate having those two on hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Um, last week, Dylan asked me a series of questions so you could learn a little bit more about myself. And this week, well, 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 how the turntables. We're going to do the <laughs> same to Dylan. I see what you did there. You did see what I did there. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you better watch The Office. You better. Right now, start it. So we're just going to dive right on in. Is that what you meant by start it? Yeah. Okay. So, Dylan, you brought this idea to me a little while back. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about it a little bit before, but... Why did this idea come to you, and why are you wanting to share our stories with the world? Yeah. Um, like I said um, in the first episode, I've wanted to do a podcast for like, you know, two or three years, really since the year 2020. I was in, I was driving across the state for my, my job. I was delivering cabinets, and I just listened to a ton of podcasts, and I just thought everyone who does them seems to just love them and have fun. And I, I love talking. I love having good conversations with people. So really the idea of a podcast is just really appealing to me in general, but I've been really trying to figure out if I were to have a podcast, what would it be about? I have so many different interests, um, but none of those interests I have as much passion for as woodworking. So really when I asked you, in, I asked you in December, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. About Christmas time yeah. before, I don't remember, is before or after, but yeah, it was before Christmas. And um, I really, I, I came to you because I thought, well, first of all, we have good conversations as it is. Second of all, um, we both like woodworking. So I thought if I do bring this idea to you, it generally be about woodworking, but I wasn't really sure the specifics. So, you know, after you agreed to doing a podcast with me, we're brainstorming, like, what are we going to do it about? And it really just kind of made sense. We both are involved with woodworking, but also the self-employed side of woodworking. Because really, all the stuff we do is is on our own, essentially. And um, 
I just think that that information is really valuable for me because I've been the last six months. I started Fawcett Woodcraft in June of 2022. I've been woodworking since like middle school. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that too. But um, since June, I've been really learning a, a ton and I've been listening to podcasts about, you know, business and also woodworking and just trying to expand on my knowledge in both areas. And I thought how cool it would be to just compile those two things because as a self-employed woodworker who's trying to make an income off of one of my favorite hobbies, it's really valuable information to me. And I thought it, it could be for other people as well. So, And I want to just for our listeners dive into how you, how you and I met. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you and I met at church, actually. Mm-hmm, yeah. And we were both going to the same church. We were, well, we didn't even know each other until November of 2021. Yeah, that sounds right. Or it would would have been earlier than November. It was like yeah. August, September. You're right. It was summertime. Because it was, it was the, it was like early fall, the beginning of the school year, because um, Pastor Mike asked us to, to join a small group for mm-hmm. young adults. And we were both invited. That's how we met. I think that literally the first time I met you, you were wearing an office shirt. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to like him. It was my Bears Beats Battlestar Galactica sweatshirt. Yes. Yes. And then the the next week, I think you were wearing a Dunder Mifflin hat or something. I'm not sure. Yep. But then I also like, I wore my Shroot Farms shirt at some point and we were both wearing Dunder Mifflin. We're like, hey, hey, do we just become best (laughs) friends? Anyway, so then- um, it was November. This is where the November date comes in. I was replacing my sliding glass door mm-hmm. in my house and Travis was, is, you know, a contractor. I was like, maybe he can help. So we didn't even really know each other that well, even at that point, but I knew you did construction stuff. I have some experience. Like I took building trades class in high school, which is like, we built a house, which is really cool. So that's the knowledge I have, but I was kind of feeling over my head with replacing a window with a door so i called travis and say hey, can you help me and i feel like that's really kind of where our just kind of friendship really began mm-hmm. just that experience we, you know we my wife was gone for the day she took the kids and we just opened up the house and it was like 40 degrees outside it was it was not ideal <laughs> the house was freezing and um but we got the door in at the end of the day and it was a good project and it really opened up the the whole the, the lighting and made the room feel bigger. It was a huge improvement. Okay, so I remember on that day that you, our first date, <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when you asked you, you asked me if I had any extra time to come help you out with different jobs, like mm-hmm. for, for your business or just on the weekends. And I think I helped you with a gutter job yep. once, like in December of 2021. The worst time to hang gutters, by the way. Yeah, that was terrible. And then... Um, it was June of 2022, the same, about the same exact time I started Fawcett Woodcraft. I want to say I actually started it after you asked me to, because, okay, so here's a little backstory in that. My wife lost her job last weekend, or like the last Friday of June. She gets a call from her boss. Hey, we need to shut the company down. This is your last day. Total shock to us. We had no idea. So we're like, okay, crap. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. I called Travis up because I know he needs help sometimes with the contract stuff. And I'm like, hey, uh, can you help me out? And, you know, you, you did. <laughs> so that, that was really huge for us because Travis gave me a job over the summer and we built a fence, sided a house. What else 
did we did we do? We painted that one house. Oh yeah, we painted the, that house. Stained the deck. Stained the deck. We did a retaining wall. Yep. The big that that was huge. That, yep. Yeah. Those that was that was really fun and so and then my wife was able to get a job so I didn't have to keep doing that but I feel like really over the summer this last summer that's where we really are I don't know we just got closer because we'd see each other every day for you know forty fifty hours a week so right yeah so you mentioned that your passion for all of this kind of started in middle school mm-hmm, yeah why don't you just start from there and tell us yeah tell us why you ended or how you ended up here. It actually begins before middle school, but middle school is really where like my love for fine woodworking kind of was was sparked. I've always loved building stuff. My dad was always the do-it-yourselfer. Before DIY was a thing, he was DIY. Before it was like a mainstream thing. Did you hold the flashlight correctly? I, I learned quick, I think, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually I did. And um, so he, he would, like, if anything was wrong with plumbing, he fixed the plumbing. Anything wrong with the heating, fixed the heating. Carpet, he did carpet, like, everything in our house. There was never anybody outside coming in. It was always him. And even if he didn't know how to do it, he'd learn to do it. And that might be because he's um, a baby boomer, and I think that's kind of a tendency for, you know, not all, but some baby boomers to just do it themselves, not pay anybody. Maybe I'm stereotyping. I don't know. My dad was that way, and um, I just kind of learned to also be that way. Like, if you can do it yourself, and if you can learn to do it yourself, then do it yourself. And uh, so, anyway, uh, one of the first things I can remember building with my dad was Pinewood Derby cars, because I was in, in um, uh, it was called Y Guides, which is through YMCA, but then also in Cub Scouts. So I, I've done Pinewood Derby cars since I was in, like, kindergarten or first grade. And that's really kind of my love for, like, working with wood started. And then I remember building, like, a bike ramp when I was in, like, fourth or fifth grade. My next-door neighbor had these giant, like, BMX ramps that he'd haul out to the street and they'd gap it, I don't know, four or five feet, and then they'd ramp and just do awesome tricks. And I thought that was so cool. And that kind of started my love for, like, skateboarding and, like, BMX, too. Um, Skateboarding more than BMX. But um, anyway... I wanted to build myself a bike ramp based on my neighbor's ramp and I actually had my neighbor help me and I just took some scrap plywood from my my dad's garage and made this really crappy uh, little uh, ramp that I had for I don't know six or seven years and then it finally broke but um and then also like in in like middle school and high school like I, with my friends we'd try to make like uh, like half like a quarter pipe out of like old plywood and stuff. So, like, building ramps and stuff was always really fun. But the fine woodworking stuff came in in middle school when I was in a class called um, Industrial Tech. And it was a class where we did, like, soldering and we did, um, like, drawing blueprints. And um, what else did we do? I mean, woodworking was a big chunk of that class. And the first ever project I did, I want to say it was either... So in that class, we did three projects. We did a CO2 car, which did you ever do that? No, we did a lot of like tower building with pressure tests and stuff like that. Oh, we did that in construction class in high school. But a CO2 car is basically, it's it's like a Pinewood Derby car, but you stick a CO2 cartridge in the back of it. And then you place it on this little track and it, there's a little mechanism that like um, releases the CO2 and then you race the cars. So we did that in middle school, which is super fun. And then we did like, coasters 
which I still have actually. They're the polyurethane is coming off, and I need to, you know, refinish them. My dog got a hold of it and like destroyed one of them, which is like, come on, but whatever. <laughs> I can build more coasters. That's what the class, class taught me. And then my the other project was a longboard that I built because mm-hmm. I was really into skateboarding at the time. I was like, it'd be really cool to build a skateboard. And a few of my friends had done it too. So that was just kind of a popular project to do. And I, I still have it hanging up on my garage wall. So every time I go into my garage, I see it. It's kind of a reminder of like where I started, which is, it, it's cool to just still be able to have it. Um, but then, and so middle school, that happened. I think that was like eighth grade, I want to say, is when I started that class. And then either my freshman year or sophomore year, I'm not entirely sure, I took Woodshop 1 which I built that cubby bench that's in my entryway upstairs. Um, it's a uh, hard maple. There's three cubbies. It's a little bench that you sit on to like tie your shoes. Um, I built that. Um, there's a lot of other little projects, um, small. I, we did like a baseball bat on the lathe. That was cool. Still have that in the garage too. I love, I'm like pretty sentimental when it comes to most things. So I especially like woodworking projects. I love keeping it and like having a reminder of kind of like just a history mm-hmm. of my skills, I guess. It's always fun to look back and say, um, I built that and I've improved upon my skills since then, that sort of thing. And then I took Woodshop 2, built like a big TV stand that uh, sits in my parents' living room currently. It's like a, it's made out of uh, red oak. And it's like a corner. It sits in the corner, so the back is like a 90-degree. And it's it kind of like, if you look from the top, it kind of looks like the Superman logo because it kind of has the tapered corners. Yep. And it sits in the corner, and uh, I that was completely custom-built. Our assignment in Woodshop 2 was to design a piece of furniture and to build it. And uh, we had to go on, what was it called, Easy Cad or something? Just a really simplified version of like drawing, like um, Fusion 360 or like SketchUp, I want to say. There's a bunch of different programs, but we used uh, like EasyCAD in high school to draw the furniture first and then build it. And it took me so long to like design it, but I finally did and got it done. Um, that project taught me so much. And that is really, I think, where I. I realized I want to do this forever. Like, I just want to keep doing it. Even if it's not a, for a professional, you know, as a professional thing, I just want to do it as a hobby. And then I want to say Woodshop 2 is like my junior year. And then my senior year, I took a class called Building Trades, which I mentioned a little earlier. And it's literally just building a house and from like the ground up. Obviously, we didn't pour the foundation, but everything after that we did. Um, we framed up the basement, framed up the whole house. We did the drywall. We did um, some electrical work with, you know, of course, the help of a professional plumbing, of course, help with professional. We did HVAC stuff. Um, uh, some siding, I think that was mostly other people who did that. But um, we built the deck. What else did we do? I mean, we did the the hardwood flooring. We had some tiling. Um, we painted the house. Well, I don't know if we painted, uh, we did the shingles. I mean, we did, we did like almost everything, everything that a high school student can get away with doing without having to have a license. Right. And there was always licensed professionals there. And our teacher was like a construction professional. He'd been doing it for, for years. 
I think he's retired now. But anyway, um, that really was kind of, again, a catalyst for, for like, I really want to do this sort of stuff forever, even if it's not a career. And getting out of high school, I thought I was going to do it. But um, God had other plans for me. I ended up going to um, school. I was going to go to seminary and get my, you know, become a pastor. But that just didn't work out. I became a youth pastor after I graduated college. And when I was in college, I didn't do like any woodworking at all. Like I took uh, from 2015 to like 2019, there was none, no woodworking happening. And then the summer of 2019, um, I was a youth pastor at the time. My wife and I wanted to start selling like custom signs on Etsy because I had bought her a cricket for Christmas. And uh, so we bought a table saw so I could make like frames for those signs. And um, that's really kind of when it started again. And it was a really slow introduction. I was working on different woodworking projects, but it was only really in the wintertime at Christmas time because like that's when I could justify going out to the shop and uh, making Christmas presents for people. And I didn't have, like, any tools. So, like, the f- 2019, all I had was, like, literally a table saw, and that's it. And I had, like, a hammer. And I think I had a screw a screwdriver, like, an electric screwdriver. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. I didn't even have a miter saw. I didn't have a palm sander. I didn't have um, anything. So it was just a really slow buildup of buying my own tools. And I knew how to use all the tools. It's just a matter of, I couldn't afford them really. And then when did I start? Okay. So then in 2020, um, obviously the pandemic happens. We start looking for a house because my wife's pregnant. Our daughter was born in April, 2020. And as we're in the hospital, I think that's when we really got serious about buying a house we're like sitting there holding our daughter and we're like, we're not going to have much room in our rental house. So we're just, let's, let's talk about moving into our own house. So anyway, uh, I think it was September, 2020, we finally buy a house and we bought a fixer upper. And that's when we, I started really accruing lots of tools and really from 2020 to like winter of 2021, most of the woodworking or carpenter or like the contracting stuff in quotes, um, was just remodeling our house. And I still really had a passion for the fine woodworking and building furniture, but I still wasn't doing any of that. Um, it was just the house remodeling that was happening. Isn't that wild? Yeah. You buy a house and and I, all of a sudden you need everything. <laughs> yeah. And well, you, you know that too, cause you bought your house and yeah. you, that's kind of how you accrued all your tools too. Yep. It was just, yeah. So then, um, 2021, yeah. December of 2021, our house is pretty much remodeled cause we got, we got the, the door replaced. Like I just said, we did that in November. That was pretty much like our last big project that we did. Cause we, we literally, we remodeled the kitchen. We didn't do new cabinets, but we, we ripped all the doors off. We painted the carcasses. We painted the doors. We redid that. Got brand new countertops. Redid the floor. New paint. We did backsplash. Like a whole whole nine yards in the kitchen. And then we, everything upstairs, we painted every room. Remodeled the whole bathroom. Uh, we did uh, like a vinyl laminate in the kitchen. And then we did carpet upstairs. 
So we remodeled the entire upstairs, and then we refloored the basement. We didn't really do much else other than paint a little bit. So we remodeled the whole house. Um, where was I going with that? That's a fantastic question. I don't know. But anyway, so we did that December of 2021. And so the story of the table saw that I, I was kind of telling, I think I in a previous episode, I got the, the Delta 736 is what it is. I, it's like a Delta contractor saw. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's, a nice, it's got a really nice fence on it. That saw was a huge upgrade. I got that in December of 2021 because um, my other saw, my Craftsman 10-inch contractor saw from like the 1970s. That was like a 10 horsepower or something, wasn't it? It it was, it was big enough, but... It just was not... It, it The bearings blew. That's yeah. long story short, bearings blew. Um, you were there when it started having problems. Yeah, I thought I did it. <laughs> yeah, and then you, you, I mean, I don't know, you might, you might have, <laughs> but I used it to build a cart for it. Like after that happened, like, okay, so exactly, um, we were using this craftsman table saw to rip down a two by four, and uh, the bearings blew on it. Which uh, should we have been doing that with a table saw? I don't know, maybe not. I mean. It should have been well within the duties of a table saw. It should have been, but it wasn't. The 2x4 might have been a little warped, and it was probably causing some abnormal pressure on the blade. But it should, if it was a little bit more powerful, it would have had no problem. Anyway, it stopped, and we thought the bearings blew, but what happened was it actually blew the power strip that we were using with it. And then I got rid of the power strip. I was using the table saw to make a cart so I could get it off its metal stand because it didn't have wheels. It was really hard to move. I thought if I put it on a rolling cart, that'd be a lot easier for me. So I built a cart with the table saw. I get the table saw, put on the cart after it's done, and I turn it on, and the the table saw does not. The blade is spinning, but very slowly, and it's just kind of making this sound. What sound? Yeah. Yeah. Is that that's pretty much exactly yeah. what's <laughs> one more time. Like that. Bearings, yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or is is that a dying cow? I can't I get the two mixed uh, up. Yeah, that's more of a sheep. Oh yeah. Dying sheep or just sheep? Just uh, tired sheep, mm. maybe. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> we have fun. Um, so anyway, long story short, get the new table saw. I, I go to Lowe's because they have the 50% off sale. And that, when I got that table saw, it was like the catalyst to my own woodworking because that was like a huge game changer. Having a, uh, a fence that was actually consistent and actually accurate was huge. So um, I started just woodworking a lot more after that and it was like the spring of 2022 and I was really starting to think of I really want to keep building stuff but I can only make so much stuff for in my own house so I'm like how can I sell stuff and that's really when I started looking into how can I make money off of my own woodworking and that's really kind of my where my passion for like the business side of things started too was just trying to research and figure out how people sell stuff. And do I start a social media page? Do I create my own website? 
do I post it on Facebook Marketplace? Like, how do I do this? So that's really when I started kind of being really curious about it all. And my very first commission kind of came out of nowhere. I hadn't even started advertising anything. I haven't even really told anybody about my ideas yet. But we moved. So we started, we sold our house in March and then um, we closed on it in like May. But, um, and then we moved. My realtor was looking for somebody to build a sign that says sold by and has like information, like the name and the number and stuff so that they can post it on their socials. And she needed um, a sign that was shaped like a key. Um, and I had just purchased a uh, bandsaw. So I was able to, like, make a shape like that. And the I Rikon, just, right? Yeah, the Rikon, yeah. yeah. The 1061, I don't know what it's, 10-inch Rikon. Nothing huge, but it's it's a really nice, for the size and for what I need it for, it's great. I love it. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I... I told, yeah, I told my realtor, yeah, I can do it. And that was my first commission piece. And I dropped that key off. I, I made two of them actually, because she had just hired some realtors underneath her that were going to be on her team. And she wanted to give that to them as like a welcome gift to the team. So I made those for them. I dropped them off. And um, as I dropped them off, the reason why I started my social media page, and um, if you're listening to this, thank you for this little boost of encouragement they said, you should make a social media page and we'll share the heck out of it. Like, cause they're on socials and stuff for their realtor team. And they're like, yeah, we'll tell all of our clients about you. And every time they take a picture, like we'll, we'll give you a credit, whatever for the sign. And I was like, I don't even have socials. And they're like, you should make a page. <laughs> and at that point, I didn't even know what I was going to call my woodworking business. I messed around like so much. And like, I have notes that I still have on my phone. And I have the Samsung Ultra, so, like, I have a, a stylus. So I, like, write down, like, 50 names of what I want to name my company and then, um, like, logos and stuff, and I just mess around. And then I finally just land on a Fawcett Woodcraft. One, just my last name. And two, um, everybody says woodwork or, like, woodworking. And I was, like, not as many people have the name Woodcraft, and mm-hmm. I kind of like being unique. So I was, like little unique but also very you know original to what my name is and so yeah um that's kind of how fossil woodcraft began was i just was really aching to do it and i had an opportunity to do it and i was like i'm just going to kind of capitalize on the opportunity and here we are six months later um things are really starting to kind of pick up traction a lot and i'm starting to get more jobs and more commissions and more deals with like local stores and stuff. Now you're Fawcett Woodcraft on your socials, mm-hmm. but you've really taken a TikTok, and you're making a ton of videos literally in the last week. And, <laughs> but within that week you had a video go viral. Yeah. Legitimately viral. Yeah. I what? think you're at like 17,000 likes. Yeah, 1.2 million views. Yeah. That's, Talk about that video. Oof, dude, it's nuts. Um, so, okay, I'm trying to think of when. So I I built this. Um, if you can't tell, I love starting at the beginning of stories. <laughs> and I give you the background. So I, I built a uh, guitar pedal board for, for a friend in September. And I was, I was trying to figure out how I'm going to build this frame. Because it's literally just like a box with the top. You put a guitar, the electric guitar pedals on it different sound effect pedals and it's just a box with a top that you set them on basically and it's it's kind of like angled 
um, so it's angled towards the guitar player. And I was trying to figure out how to put it together. I was like, I'll just do miter joints um, for every corner, and then I'll just use a spline. And I was using skateboard material, so I was I was trying to figure out how I can make a, a skateboard into like a corner spline on the outside of my miter joint. And I was just like on YouTube looking for this technique, and uh, I found a guy who was able to do a spline without a, a jig, a spline jig. Uh, okay, that's a really cool idea. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to my Instagram and then you'll see the video of me explaining it. That's the video that kind of blew up in the last week. And uh, I did that for the pedal board. And then just recently I built a bookcase and I did the same method and I recorded myself doing it. And I had no idea that that many people would appreciate that tip, like literally no clue. Pretty much my average views on a video is like a thousand views or less. And I thought that that was good. Like, I'm happy with that. And then I posted this video on Instagram and TikTok and it blew up on both platforms. Like I had 60 followers last Tuesday, which is a week and a day ago. No, a week ago. Today's Mm -hmm. Tuesday. Yep. A week ago, 11 o'clock a.m., I posted this video. And by the end of the day, it was like 100,000 views already. And I had gained like a thousand followers and I had 60 followers to begin with. And just to give you a little frame of reference, I have, what, what is it now? Like 45 yeah. or 4,700 something followers on TikTok. Booming. It's nuts. I don't even understand. I really don't. I mean, it's a good video and I'm happy that that video went viral instead of my other, some of my other ones. Cause it's, I think it's really valuable information. And it's just, it's literally a video of me explaining how to make a spline without a jig. That's it. I mean, it's nothing like, I didn't think that something like that, that many people would be interested in. But apparently people love it. And apparently the algorithm loved it. Right. Now you're doing a, you're doing a lot of that mostly for fun. Yeah. Not so much for like the influencer side of it. No. But. No, not at all. What people I feel need to understand is that if you're going to tackle the social media side of it. You have to be ready to double down on your time and effort because it is not easy. No, not at all. And that that is what um, I started in October. I started to be really consistent with what I was posting because, like what you said, I'm, I'm doing it for fun. And I, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be doing it. But I enjoy it, so I am doing it. And I decided if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all in as much as I can and just be consistent with it. And that's really... I don't want to say secret because social media is still an enigma to me, but I think the thing that you can control because the algorithm controls a lot and it's really unknown. But anyway, the thing you can control is how consistent you post and engage with people. And that's what I've just been doing. And um, like you said, it takes, it's a lot of energy and it's a lot. And I'm trying to figure out both Instagram and TikTok and I didn't even put energy into TikTok literally until last week. And because everything's starting to kind of blow up on there, I'm like, I need to maybe dedicate a little bit more time to it just to be a little bit more consistent than I've been doing. Because on TikTok, if you look, I think I have maybe like 25 reels or not real, uh, just TikToks. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, I have like probably 100, over 100 reels because I'm just more consistent on Instagram. But, but, and I'm not having you explain this to deter those that want to get into social media um, from doing so, but, you know, it is difficult, but 
at the same time, look at how much it's helped your exposure. It really has. I, I would say 90% of the jobs that I have gotten, like commissioned pieces and um, like orders of other things I just pre-make and then sell, 90% of those sales have come from Instagram. And that's just happening in the messages. I'm not like posting them to like my my Instagram store. I don't even have an Instagram store. This is people saying, hey, I saw you build this. Can you do this for me? And that's how it works, really. I think we're in a huge paradigm shift right now. And I'm going to speak to this coming from more of a trades perspective. Mm -hmm. But 10 years ago, mm -hmm. you needed somebody to build something, whether it was a woodcraft piece or someone to frame in your basement. Mm -hmm. You Google it, you call the phone number. Yeah. Now... And like I said, this is 100% a paradigm shift. You're experiencing this. I'm experiencing this. 99% of the inquiries that I get, anyways, mm -hmm. are via Facebook Messenger. Hey, yeah. stumbled across your Facebook page. Will you do this for yeah. me? Hey, saw that you posted this. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole different approach. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're doubling down on your efficiency and effectiveness because you're able to reach such a broad audience through doing all of this. Right. Like you reach 17,000 people, more, 1.2 million people. Right. With one, with one, with one video, video. It's nuts. And now people may, you know, are, I'm guilty of this. You scroll through TikTok, you think a video is funny, you send it to your friend, you like it. Do you revisit it? Probably not most mm -hmm. of the time. But of those 1.2 million people, you know, you could figure on, you know, even 1% to 2% is a huge number of right. coming agree, back to yeah. that video. I agree. Well, and if I look, I'm looking at my TikTok right now. On that one video, I had 2,602, uh, so 2,602 saves alone on that video on TikTok. And then Instagram, the video has... Let's see. Um, 213,000 views, almost 3,000 likes. And then for saves, it has over, yeah, more more saves than TikTok has, which yeah. is kind of crazy when you think of the number of views. Um, so it's being received well in both areas. But, yeah, what you said about... 20 years ago even or even 10 years ago it was mm -hmm. like people their business was happening on the internet like people would google contractor near me woodworker near me they have a phone number they call it whatever maybe they have a website too but now it's now it's like for me i approach my business side from the 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 fact that so my opinion of it all is i really like to see a piece of furniture being built and that kind of seeing the process of it being built inspires me to maybe I want to buy that because I know exactly where it came from. I saw the processes of the person building it and that builds trust in the person building it, but also the trust in the products because I see the manufacturing of it. It's not being built in the factory in China with really cheap materials and really low wages for somebody. It's being built here and, and you can see the whole process of things being built. So that's kind of how I'm approaching my social media is I want to show both woodworkers, uh, but also my my buyers, 
the process of this is how I'm building the product. It's kind of how I'm building trust with my customers in, in a way. They don't even have to talk to me on the phone to, to get to know me. They can get to know me on my social media mm-hmm. and see this is what I'm capable of and this is what I built and this is how I built it and this is kind of the integrity behind what I'm building and whatever. And I feel like that you go on people's social media and it just tells you so much about person, a, a company and a person and in my instance, the company is me. Like, it's just, I'm by myself. I'm not doing this with anybody. I don't have employees. It's just me. So I, I think, yeah, what you were saying, like, the paradigm shift is happening where I think more and more people are approaching it from that angle. Even big companies, too. Yeah. I mean, yep. you go on and you can look at m- m- pretty much every company, a lot of manufacturers even, have Instagram. And if they don't, in the next five years, they're they're probably all going to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because that's kind of where we're going now one cool thing that i noticed through all of that is you plugged the different products that you used yeah i think you plugged the walrus oil mm-hmm. and you plugged not just lumber mm-hmm. and in return not just lumber plugged you yeah they did in a return post so and then somebody saw that post and they called me and asked me if I could do job. And exactly. I land, and I landed a job that way. Exactly. Yeah. So not only are we seeing this paradigm shift of getting jobs in a completely different fashion mm-hmm. than what would have been done, I think this is the restart of the boom of small businesses. I and agree. that is so important yeah. to me, especially mm-hmm. in you being a small business owner, well, right. you know, the two of us. I grew up the son of small business owners. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your parents own a store, right? Yeah. My yeah. parents have been in retail for 40 years mm-hmm. um, working for themselves. And, you know, that has always been so critical mm-hmm. is advertising, you know, support small business. Then we saw this other paradigm shift of, you know, they own an office supply company. So then there's this paradigm shift of, oh, okay, well now there's Amazon. Now there's, you they know, own, they own Dunder Mifflin. They, yeah. Yes. That's nice. My dad is prison Mike. Oh. And and your your mom is Holly? Yeah. That's pretty cool. The worst part of working at the warehouse was the dementors. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <Continue. laughs> you know, we saw this paradigm shift of them owning the office supply store and then business tanked mm. because of Amazon Staples, Saber, Saber, Sabre, <laughs> and then you have Walmart's popping up everywhere. You yeah. know they're even building in in towns of four thousand now, the little hometown Walmart. So mm-hmm. that makes that difficult. They sold, opened up another retail store, mm, nice. which is very successful. Mm-hmm. But now we're seeing that shift back. Mm-hmm. Of you know, I'm seeing a lot more of people who are frustrated with the big businesses and mm. i'm not saying that there's not a place in the world for the big businesses because there absolutely is right they have efficiency they have a large quantity of inventory there's conveniences with it but there's em- a lot of drawbacks employing with it a lot time. of people giving people a living and a job a hundred percent can't you know that can't be replaced but i would rather have my money go to the local mom and pop shop yeah that's downtown here mm-hmm because I'm on board with that. Yeah. You know that it's supporting somebody in this very town, county. You know, they could live two blocks over. Exactly. And you're keeping them afloat yes. instead of padding the pockets of 
billionaires. Right. Which again, good on them. They mm-hmm. made it. This is a double-edged sword, and I'm just going to get myself down a rabbit hole. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right on the same boat as you because I think there's a place for it. But there's also part of me that wants to keep my economy local. Like I'd really rather support local businesses, even if I'm paying more per item to a local person. I know that I'm literally, you know, in a sense, putting food on their table, you know, rather than I know the same kind of works in, in the, you know, somebody works at Walmart, same difference. But again, padding the pockets of billionaires, a little different than putting food on a local person's plate. It's right. That, that idea is different. And to that note as well, I mean, if I'm coming to you and saying, hey, Will you build me a bookcase? Mm-hmm. I am going to trust the quality of that bookcase to last far longer than I would something from, you know, that shows up in a flat box on my right. front porch that I watched the Amazon man swear at because it was super heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because that is so true. Yes. And I'm the same. I'm the same way. I, that's That's why I love building custom furniture for people because... I love giving that person a guarantee that this piece of furniture, it, it may have, you know, there might be flaws in my skills and maybe flaws in the materials and you, a glue joint might separate or whatever, but also the quality is in all, is in my customer service as well. Cause you don't have to wait on hold for some guy in India to answer the phone and try to get a refund and trying to get the package sent back and get a new one. Like it's literally, I live 30 minutes away from you. I'll come look at it. If I need to bring it home and fix it, I will. And it's it's just different. It's so different. And and at the same token, that happens far less. Right. You know, that's not going to happen that yes. often because of the care that you put into your craft. Exactly. It, it happens much less. There's a higher guarantee on the quality of the product. And you get to work with local people and support local. And there's just so many more pros the price, the only the only con is that it's more expensive, but you're paying for all the other pros, right? And it's all in all, in my opinion, it's better. And I'm we're biased because this is what we're trying to do and make money off of, right? Um, but again, like you said last week, it doesn't come down just to money. Like if I didn't love doing this, I wouldn't do it. One hundred percent. It's nice though, like you said, if you have the skills that people will pay for, then awesome. For me, it's I get paid for doing my hobby, and I love doing it, and that's why I keep doing it. And things might be more expensive, but think of all of the different layers that you're supporting. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, you're paying, you know, I would be paying you for a product, but then you're paying not just lumber mm-hmm. and walrus oil right. or whatever else it may be. Mm-hmm. So... There's two other layers. So you're supporting three different businesses all in one. Now, I'm not saying that that wouldn't happen from a big box store. You know, obviously they have different suppliers for different things. And I still shop at big box stores for some materials, for fasteners and some stains and, you know, you name it. Right. Not like I'm anti-big box. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. And with that being said, too, you know... I still get picky when it comes to big box stores. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't get me wrong. I love all three of our big boxes around here. I love Lowe's. I love Home Depot mm-hmm. and I love Menards. Mm-hmm. If me I'm too. going to pick something though, 
I'm going to Menards because Menards is halfway local. Mm-hmm. They're smaller than the other big chains. Mm-hmm. That being said, I've spent enough money to piss off my wife at <laughs> all three of them. So, <laughs> ditto. Again, I'll have their place. I'm very grateful for all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the small business aspect of all of this, it's just so meaningful. And you're getting yeah. a quality product, you're getting care. Um, you know, the old saying, it's made with love. Exactly. It is. It is. It's it's made with love and it's made with speed sometimes, but Yeah. Yeah. Three parts love, one part speed, boom. Exactly. You got a great product. Dang. That's it. Actually for me, um, building my identity, I've decided to choose three words that kind of represent my brand. And I chose um quality, um, uniqueness and functionality. Every single product that I make, I want I want those check marks checked off mm-hmm. so it has to be high quality because um, if it's functional and unique but it's not high quality it, you know and it's not going to last you're like okay this is cool but I'm probably not going to buy it again because it didn't last the first time so why would I buy it again so high quality is checked now uniqueness for me I just want to be set apart like I take ideas from other people and of, of course everybody's inspired by everybody you know no idea is original completely original but you kind of marry different ideas and you just kind of be creative with it i want my products to stand out so when people see it they know okay that's that's dylan that's fossil woodcraft right there i can tell that that's your brand because it's unique it's you it's your style it's different from travis it's different from anybody else um so that's being set apart in that way so high quality being unique and then functionality is what is the purpose of the item most things have a purpose, even if the purpose is maybe just a piece of wall art. The functionality of it is that it looks good. Like, it's, <laughs> that's that's the purpose of it, is that it's a wall art. It brings a tent, your eye to it, and you're like, oh, that's cool. It makes your home look nice, whatever. Or, like, a functionality it might also be just, like, a bottle opener. And I make bottle openers with magnets, so you so you can look. It looks like a cool magnet. It functions that way, but also you take it off your fridge, you open a beer with it, functionality in that way. So I'm always thinking like, what is the purpose of what I'm building? What's the functionality of it? Is the quality gonna last? So is the functionality good? Does that continue to work for you for years and years to come? And then also is unique. And those are the three main words that I've picked. And I I think that's kind of a marketing strategy. Um, I've heard in multiple places that choosing three words, just like, like Nike's slogan, just do it. That's three words. Mm -hmm. Um, there's other companies that do the same thing. They pick, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Exactly. Get it. Got it. Good. Yes. I don't know which one that one's for. What's Granger. Okay. Granger and then McDonald's, obviously I'm loving it. And then, um, I don't know if mine's as memorable, but it still gives my customers a, a way that like really fastly identifies my company, quality, uniqueness, functionality. And that's on my website. The first thing you see when you open my website, it, those three words pop up. Mm-hmm. And then also another thing with that is I saw that the, the, like the rule of three is what it's called. And uh, you use uh, three different colors in your logo. So like for me, it's white, black, and, and yellow, like a gold yellow. Um, and that's just like stands out. And the reason I picked yellow, um, it's not my favorite color. I just picked it because not 
that many people, like in the woodworking world, I noticed, have the color yellow in their logo. It seems to be a lot of black and white. Black and white. I I think some green is Mm -hmm. pretty common, blue. And I just picked yellow because for me, it draws your eye to it. It makes it like sticks out. So like when you see my logo, it's black and white, but then my name faucet, that's the only thing that's yellow on it really like stands out. And that's what I was going for. I just wanted to stand out. Um, So that's shaping the identity of my company has been kind of focused around the rule of three, trying to figure that out. Let's stay on the socials train for a second. Yeah. Do you plan on getting involved into some maybe more in-depth videos on YouTube? Yes, YouTube is something that I want to do, Um, but the podcast has kind of taken that place. Um, I kind of have said that I want to do one YouTube video a month for for this year of 2023, but we'll see. Um, Right now, my goal is to focus on the podcast. Um, really for when it comes to content creating. So staying faithful to Instagram, TikTok, and then the podcast is really my focus. YouTube will come, I think, eventually. Um, I'm in school right now, um, getting my master's in counseling. So I am still doing classes at night. I'm doing woodworking at night. I'm trying to keep up on social stuff and doing the podcast now. I'm trying to stay ahead of all that. So really taking on YouTube is not that realistic. <laughs> just because I'm already spread pretty thin Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to be a present father and a present husband and I'm a stay-at-home dad 20 hours a week as well and then an intern 20 hours a week so like I'm very busy so YouTube it will come but I'm not really stressed about doing it right now right it's fun and if I have a good idea that's easy enough to do like I did an unboxing video of the DeWalt planer that we got um like a month ago I did an unboxing and put it on YouTube that was really easy. I mean, I unboxed it, recorded it myself. I talked a little bit about it. I did a voiceover. It took me less than a day to put the video together. So maybe something like that I'll continue to do, but nothing like I'm not going to record myself step-by-step um, step building something. Or mm-hmm. Although I'd like to eventually. It'd be cool to do videos sort of like that or like tour reviews maybe eventually. But So I'm going to ask you one more question. I'm going to make it one more because I know that there could be a lot of unpacking to do in this. It's not a curveball, I promise. But, you know, you found a passion through all this by doing it. Yeah. But also through adversity. For sure. So give some advice to somebody who might want to do it or is doing it, struggling, help them eliminate those red flags what would you do yeah um man that is that is a really that could be a really long answer but i think it comes down to just pulling the trigger and doing it like the the way that i learn best is and i think probably this applies to most people is just trial and error you decide you want to do something and it doesn't work out the first time you can give up on that and you can be all down in the dumps, or you just try it again. And that's how it's been for me with social media. You spend hours on a video that you think is going to do really well, and then it doesn't, and 10 people see it, and you're like, man, I spent so much time on that. Um, But here's the thing about that is if you do it consistently and you just keep trying and keep trying, you get better 
one at making videos, but also this, that also applies to woodworking. You make one project, it doesn't go great. There's good things, but there's also bad things. You see these mistakes. If you decide to give up on it, that's your decision. But what did Michael Jack or Michael Jordan say? You miss all the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. Is that yeah? Wayne, okay, Michael Scott. Michael Scott. Yeah, you miss all the shots you don't take. So the point is, um, just do it and learn from it. And if you love it, keep doing it. That's where I'm at. If I don't love something, I'm probably not going to do it again. Um, that's just kind of how I work. That's how my ADHD brain works. And I just, but when I do love something, I go all in. And uh, for woodworking. The thing that keeps me coming back is that there's literally, there's like no cap to what you can learn in woodworking. It just keeps going and going. And there's so many different things to learn. And if you love it, keep doing it, keep learning, um, make mistakes, have fun with those mistakes and learn from them. Because I mean, every single project that I do, I mess up something, but then that is a lesson learned every single time. So every time I build another piece of furniture, I have a new skill that I didn't have prior and you just keep learning until, you know, you become an expert. And we're not experts, but we want to be. So that's kind of the, the whole thing. That's how you become an expert is just by failing and trying again. And um, that, that rule also applies to business stuff. Um, I am by no means even close to being an expert. I would not even call myself an amateur. I'm a noob when it comes to business. It's only been six months, really, since I've been really trying to push the business side of things and trying to sell stuff. And I'm trying everything. And um, I can talk a little bit about that on another episode. But just try all, all the different all the different methods and all the different outlets. Just kind of go for it. And you make a mistake, learn from it. Don't give up. It's hard, much easier said than done. But if you love it, you keep coming back to it. And if, mm-hmm. it's, if it's worth your time, you'll know. It's like when you're 16 years old. And your dad's trying to give you a piece of advice. And you're like, Dad, why would you know this? You know, you, <laughs> yeah. the mentality that teenagers have. Yeah. And then he's, he'll say something like, I've been through this a million times before. You need to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then 10 years later, you're like, man, Dad was right. Yeah, he was right, yeah. <laughs> you learn yeah, by exactly. going through it. Exactly. And that's, that's the best way to learn is just having real-world experience. School can only teach you so much. I mean, just doing it working with your hands and and getting your hands dirty. Just go for it is what I say. If you don't like it, then don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to wrap up on this. Yeah. What do you call a fish without eyes? (laughs) Do you want me to answer? Or do you want to answer? Fish. (laughs) What do you call a fly without wings? An ant? A walk. A walk. <laughs> You've never heard that one? No. <laughs> anyway, that is the wrap for this episode. Thank you guys listening uh, for, for listening so much. We really appreciate all the support, and um, we really enjoy doing this. So next episode, we will have Drew Hall from Fern, Fernwood Farms Woodworking. Find him on Instagram. We're going to have him on, do an interview just like this that we did today so we're gonna have drew on and uh that's gonna be our our fourth episode so come back thanks for super listening guys take care take care
Or don't. It's up to you. Life's about choices. That's right. And if you don't like taking care of them, don't do it. Then don't do it. Wouldn't It Be Nice theme song was performed and written by Luke Snyder.